Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California at 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Joined by Jihei Wiley, Armani Buckets, Brandon Deutsch. Jihei, how are you doing my friend? I couldn't be better other than this weather is killing me. Uh-oh. This is when, like, everybody should have a central air unit, and I do not. So um, I'm really jealous of everybody who has central air. <laughs> Armani Buckets, same issue for you? Well, Jihei, first of all, you live a block away from the ocean. <laughs> so I do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a rough struggle, but just go dive in the water. I don't know. Cool off somehow. Um, Yeah, but I can't imagine not having a central air unit. No, I don't have the same issue, Arash, thankfully. Um, And it has been really hot. So I I, I guess I, I can empathize with Jihei there. Yeah, I'm good, too. You know, I don't know about the air issue, but uh it's a beautiful morning here in Los Angeles. I'm about, I'm closer to the west side than the South Bay or whatever. What is Manhattan Beach the South Bay? No. Huh? South what Bay, is it considered? Yeah. It's South Bay? Yeah. Okay. I thought, yeah. I always think of South Bay for whatever reason, El Segundo, Torrance, but I guess, yeah, Manhattan Beach. It's all of it. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Technically, you'd consider the South Bay, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa, Redondo, El Segundo. Is it at least colder in, in the South Bay? Because here it's a hun- It's going to be 100 degrees by noon <laughs> again. <laughs> it is. Okay, here's the thing, guys. I complain about not having central air, but here's the thing. It's really humid. Like, very, yeah. very sticky and humid during this particular month of the year. And I know I'm complaining, and it's like 1% problems, so I apologize to everybody that has central <laughs> air or, you know, they're roasting in their homes right now. But it's just, I'm not used to this. Like, this is this is why you live a block from the ocean, though. This is why you pay the higher rent to live a block away from the water, so you don't have to worry about not having central air. So that's the reason why I'm complaining. But um, it is a beautiful day outside, so... Uh, very so grateful that we live where we live. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 uh, I gotta deal with the same thing again. You can't complain if you live close by the beach, but again, if it's hot, if it's almost like not quite a hundred, I mean, it gets to a hundred degrees in Las Vegas, but if it gets hot like that, yes, you, you, it would be nice. So I, I have multiple fans and like to go for walks on the beach, but, uh, yeah, very, again, very hard to complain when you live that close to the ocean, as our <laughs> money buckets mentioned. Um, Wanted to talk to you guys very briefly about uh, one of the comments that was made post, uh, I think this was post game during the FIBA World Cup. Um, and again, I think uh, um, Harman or someone, you, you could tell me who said it, but basically like, you know, this, this is the real world championship. You know, the NBA finals, the NBA, it, it, it's teams in North America. Um, 
and I've heard other people say this, like they have an issue when a, a domestic, one of our domestic leagues, whether it's the NBA, Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League, when they say we're the world champions, those leagues, the big four, I guess you could call it, um, again, generally speaking, not a whole lot of American football is played outside of the U.S. They have the Canadian Football League, but um, but outside of that, the NBA Finals, just look at the team that won the uh, championship. Nikola Jokic, right? Uh, Jamal Murray, right? Like, like these are not players from the United States of America. The reason that the, the Denver Nuggets can call themselves the world champions and no one's going to bat an eye, because the best players in the world play in that particular league. That is why Major League Soccer, by the way, will always sort of struggle. Why They're having a moment right now. Well, Lionel Messi, by the way, is coming to Los Angeles uh, this weekend. And tickets, I mean, just to get into the door at the Bank of a California Stadium or close to $1,000. Again, you're seeing the best player in the world. That's awesome. Major League Soccer as a league, uh, you know, maybe in the top 20, maybe they're in the top 15. They're certainly not in the top 10 and nowhere near the top five. However, when you talk about the National Football League, the National, the National Basketball Association, Major League Baseball, like when you talk about Shohei Otani, right? Like the best players in the world, when you have them in your particular league, or if it's the dream of the best players in the world to play in your league, that makes you world champions. I want to get your guys' thoughts on that because there were so many people who were like, that's right. You're playing for your country, like you're the real world champions. The fact of the matter is, the Denver Nuggets would blow out any of these teams. I'm sorry. I mean, there's a couple of reasons why. A, they're the best team in the world, but uh, there's something to be said when you play together. Uh, a lot of these national teams, you know, they 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 they, they put them together uh, during the summer. Team USA, for example, you know, they get them together in Vegas. They have a one week to two week training camp. They have a couple of exhibition games and then they're, they're playing together. I mean, that that's hard to develop a chemistry, hard to develop a playbook at that point. But Jihee, your thoughts on that? I mean, listen, when it comes to the big four, those teams, those leagues, those uh, the, when they win a championship, they are the world champions. You know, yes, you can call them, you know, the NBA champions, but the Denver Nuggets, there's no other team in the world that could beat them. I feel like if you maybe put them, if, if you took the Denver Nuggets and put them in that scenario, yeah, they could probably win, you know, a, a world, quote-unquote, world championship. Um, but also, it, it's a huge time factor. Right. I mean, yeah. if if everybody is getting together and only, you know, has two, three weeks, maybe a month to like get quote unquote chemistry together, that's hard, man. Like that, that'd be hard if you were doing it in the NBA, the NFL and at any major, you know, um, uh, professional league. So I, I think it'd be difficult with considering the time frame. Um, but then again, some of these guys, um, particularly the NBA, particularly in basketball, those guys played AAU together. Yeah, like they played when they were younger together. So I think that like chemistry, if you look at it in that perspective, that can definitely help, right? Help their cause. Um, but yeah, of course. I mean, you, it, that's like saying, <laughs> I love when teams, and this isn't really a great comparison, but I love when teams are like, um, I don't know if anybody watched Swamp Kings, oh, yeah. but they would say, oh, we can beat... We could be any um, NFL team. I'm like, no, you couldn't. Sweetie. No, exactly. Like, no, there's a big no, difference. You could not. <laughs> yeah, there's a huge, huge difference. So um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think time is a huge factor. But um, yeah, of course. Uh, that, that's why they're pros, right? That's why they, they made it to that particular level. That's why that they're on that certain stage. What do you think, Armani Buckets, Brandon? 
I'm I'm really torn on this because as much as I do think Denver would win a hypothetical world championship tournament, I also remember just a few months ago in the sport of basketball, a 16 seed in Fairley Dickinson beating Purdue few years ago, a 16 seed UMBC beating Virginia. The reason why I think those are relevant is because basketball is a sport where an upset like that can happen. I don't think it's possible in football with like a like an Alabama beating an NFL team because there's a strength and size disadvantage. But we're seeing it with, with FIBA, with the way that basketball is going internationally. When they take away the NBA, the game gets a lot more physical overseas, the game gets a lot more competitive, and everybody has a similar skill set. Everybody can shoot the basketball. The world is catching up. So as much as I think Denver would win it 98% of the time, (laughs) yeah, I guess, you know, in theory, they can't be considered the world champions because what if it's one of those 2% and, you know, we don't actually play it out to see that happen, but that's kind of my view on it. But I, I do think that it, there's nothing wrong with calling yourself the world champions when you no. play for the best league in the world. My favorite yeah. real quick is when the Cowboys, and, and I've seen their banners at Cowboys Stadium, or uh, it's world champions, and I'm like, I mean, technically, obviously, there's not another American uh, football team in the world that's going to beat you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. But again, like they, they don't really play it outside of U.S. and Canada. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, I, I think that was a horrendous take by that guy. I mean, yeah. it's like it's by far the best league in the world. And of course, the world champs, because it's the best players in the best league in the world. Right. I mean, I don't, Arwan has a point. Yeah. If they're more physical, they play more strategic overseas. And it's actually probably, if you're a true basketball fan, more fun to watch because it's similar to the college game, right? There's a lot of ball movement. There's zone. There's a lot of, you know, getting your teammates open and stuff like that. NBA is all ISO now. It's really boring at times, in my opinion, uh, as good as the players are. And it's ruining the youth, by the way. Everyone's just an ISO king now. They don't, they don't play team basketball. So we're going to continue to see like, you know, Trey Young and, you know, guys like that, Donovan Mitchell, like players like that enter the league that are ISO dominant. And I don't think it puts the best product for the NBA. However, they are the best players in the world. So for this argument, they are the world champs. I mean, no one's better than Jokic in the world. Yeah, it won't be close. And Armand, you think a team could get close to beating the Denver Nuggets, an international team? I think it would be a seventy-point win for the Nuggets. <laughs> These guys are bums. If they weren't, if they weren't, if why are they in overseas and not in the NBA? Exactly. Okay, well that that's um, well, no, 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 no. I that, I feel like that's not entirely fair because there are guys that come from the NBA and go overseas because their their career is done. Like it's vice versa. Yeah, but they're not beating Jokic, Porter Jr., and Murray in their prime in a, in a game, even if they play no, team no, basketball. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that like the quality is definitely a, di- a difference, and it's lower because you're getting it's it's like when you get um, Methy. Oh, Methy is a bad example. <laughs> it's like when you're getting um, Becca. You know, coming to or the when US. Zlatan came to the MLS or whatever. <laughs> Zlatan, Ibrahimovic. Zlatan, Zlatan, Zlatan killed it here. He just had a crappy team behind him. Zlatan wasn't the problem. He just now, had a crappy team behind him. Now Messi is just so dominant that that's just not it's not fair. But with Beckham coming into the United States, he had he again he was at the end of his career and he was no longer in his prime. 
that's what happens with guys in the NBA. Like when they're, you know, going to Shanghai and being <laughs> part of Shanghai Knights or whatever. And like, they're going, yeah. Like it's, it's going there at the end of their career. <laughs> as ben, much as ben Simmons I, future team. As much as I agree with you, Brandon, that yes, the Denver Nuggets would most likely 99, 98% of the time win. Just last summer, it was a pre or uh, last fall preseason game, but the Adelaide 36ers came to the United States and uh. beat the Phoenix Suns, and they put up 134 points. Again, because of the NBA's format, every, everything is a fast break, everything is a transition. Guys can shoot the basketball. An upset could, in theory, happen, although, yeah, it's not very likely, and I don't know enough about international teams to know which one could pull it off, but I think it's it's possible, in theory, but I think a lot of things are possible in theory, so I don't know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I think, to Brandon's point, it's, it's not just the talent, but I, I think when you've played together for a while, uh, when you're like a, a true team. Uh, so, I mean, I, I guess that's where it's not fair. Uh, you know, to, for example, like if you were to take um, like an all-star team, like they, they, they may have a, lo- a lot of talent, but they, they don't have that. Um, they, they have not played together, you know, and as we learned with the Lakers, you know, just putting together talent doesn't always make the most sense. You, you, you kind of have to have players who know how to play together, know their roles and things like that. Um, Guys, I'm very happy that the preseason is done and that we're getting ready for the real thing, the actual National Football League season. So we, we, we have this gap here where um, we do have a full slate of college football games, but no preseason games. But I, I, I wanted to get um, your guys' thoughts on the end of an era here in uh, college uh, football where, the, you know, this is the last year of the 14 playoff. Moving forward, we'll have the 12 team playoff. Moving forward, this will be the end of the Pac-12. Uh, we're really going towards the, you know, two big super conferences. Um, will you miss this version of college football? Because, like, as I'm watching USC and UCLA and the Pac-12, like, what I what I won't what I won't miss is the Pac-12 network. As someone who has DirecTV and can't watch the Pac-12 network, so I could not watch the, the opening USC game of the season against San Jose State. I, I had to go somewhere else to watch it. Um, I'm not going to miss the Pac-12 network. I'm not going to miss miss the Pac-12 referees. I'm not going to miss a lot of things about the Pac-12. So I, you know, as much as it's kind of hard to say goodbye to the past, you know, like as we now go into week one, again, last week was week zero in uh, the college football season. This is the, the, the full slate of games week one. Will you miss this old version of college football? Brandon, I will uh, start with you first, just seeing USC go through their last season here with the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, I'll miss it in the sense like the Thursday night Pac-12 games, the rivalries. Like I was a big adamant about being, you know, I grew up a Pac-12 fan, um, you know, growing up a Stanford fan before I ended up going to SC. It was just different. It was great back in the day. But again, they really threw themselves. And I'm going to say this. My dad hates when I say this, but it's Stanford's fault for the dissolve of the Pac-12. They had an elite football program. If they had stayed elite, if Jim Harbaugh had never left and USC became good, it would have been a super conference, just like the ACC or the or not the ACC, SEC and Big Ten. Right. Like. Uh, and the the deal, the TV deal was horrendous, and that also screwed him. I just think, you know, their former, the commissioner was not a good commissioner. Was it Larry Scott? Is that his name? 
Yep. Well, there's got he, he was he was, he was possibly the worst commissioner of all time of yeah. any conference. Uh, really did not a good do a good job prioritizing the rights and getting getting teams the correct amount of money. As a result, that and Stanford disintegrating from being a top tier program to a bottom tier, and USC getting Lincoln Riley and these superstar players in NIL. That moved it forward. So, I mean, I'm excited for Big Ten football, but again, I will miss the rivalry of the, of the Pac-12. Do you have any any sad uh, moments here with the, was... with the end of the Pac-12? <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, think about it. You, you guys were the generation that was able to watch them without, a, because you didn't have an NFL team along with our, our, um, our and I. So, I, I'm, of course, going to miss it. Of course, I'm going to miss the the Pac-12. I'm with Brandon, though. I will not miss the Pac-12 and Arash. I will not miss the Pac-12 network. And not it's terrible. It. Yeah. Goodbye. Thank you. Get rid of it. So grateful. Get rid of the Pac-12 network. Um, that was horrendous. Um, I'm fine with that. Uh, but yeah, of course. I mean, this is gonna. It's a sad. It's a, it's a happy year because it's like yeah, it's the last year of it. We're all probably gonna be nostalgic, and you guys are now officially the generation of. Um, I remember back in my day, so remember that. <laughs> that, I said that. Um, <laughs> you're all going to be contemplating, you know, a few, like even less than a year from now. Remember when there was the Pac-12, like the real Pac-12? Um, but yeah, I'll miss it. I, I think everybody really, at the end of the day, is going to miss it. They're going to miss the rivalries. They're going to miss, you know, the, the that's what college sports is all about. It's about the pop in the circumstance. It's about the rivalries. It's about being able to watch you know, these, these teams that had long-standing rivalries and stuff. So, you know what, at, but at the same time, I'm very, you know, democratical and whatever you want to call it, get that bag, guys. So get that bag. I, I'm all for that. Um, but I will not miss the Pac-12 network. Absolutely. No. Terrible. The rivalries God. are the main... <laughs> the, the rivalries are the main reason why I am going to miss it, but also... You know, a 12-team playoff. The first team that ever sparked my interest or curiosity in college football, besides Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert's USC team, was that Boise State team in what was oh, it, 06, yeah. 07. I would love to see teams like that. Uh, what was it? Central Florida a few years ago ran yeah. the table and undefeated. I like those kinds of teams. And a 12-team format, although they probably are not going to win it, at least... They're not going to get respected in a four-team playoff format. No, you're not going to most of the time see those teams get in. So you know, with a 12 team, you get those Cinderella runs at least. You know, a possibility of one, and I I like that aspect of college football a lot. Those Cinderella teams. So that's what I'm excited for. By the way, that is one of the coolest assignments I had: the Fiesta Bowl. Boise State, Oklahoma. No one gave Boise State a shot. I was on the field when they called the uh, hook and lateral and the Statue of Liberty play, one of the greatest college football games of all time. Before we uh, finish the first segment, guys, for the first time all season, the Las Vegas Aces have been the best team in the league. They've won a league record 30 games this season. I don't have that much confidence right now that they're going to beat New York if they play each other in the WNBA Finals. We had Steve Karp at the game in New York last night. New York in the season series uh, has won three. Las Vegas has won two. And the three games that Vegas has won have been very decisive games. I mean, things could change. But, Jihei, I mean, for the first time all year, I'm not confident that Las Vegas is going to be the WNBA champions again. I mean, 
New York, again, not only holds a 3-2 advantage in the season series, um, they really handled them three times this season. I mean, this is a team that has, like, I don't want to say scrape or anything like that, but they, they are they're tough, man. I mean, I have been singing um, Sabrina Anawaku's praises for God only knows how long, you know, even, even when she was at Oregon, I thought that she was like the next coming. So, um, you know, this team is definitely, um, is, is definitely kind of due in my book, I guess. Um, and is at least it can give them a challenge. So I'm looking forward to that. Actually. I'm really, really looking forward to them um, challenging uh, the aces, but you know what? That's, that's the reason why you have a five game series. Yeah. Right. Isn't it? Cause that's the reason why you, you, so, um, you know, get, give them another chance. They're, they're definitely going to make adjustments. If anything, um, their coaching staff is elite. And I, I think just give them another chance. Like, let's, we got to see, you know, how they can make those adjustments uh, against Sabrina and, the, uh, and New York. Exactly. And again, the league is probably hoping that the five-game series is like this. 3-2, two, 2-2 two, two after four. So we'll see. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by the Sporting Tribune's Grant Mona. We come back right here on the Mightier 1090 for the California, the Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas in the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. It's time to go out to the Circa Sports guest hotline with one of the Sporting Tribune's finest, Grant Mona. Been grinding on those Dodger write-ups. How you been doing? Must be fun. The team's winning like 95% of their games. Yeah, that that's fun too. Uh, I'm just excited that football season's close and that basketball season's close. I know Armand and I have been following the FIBA World Cup pretty closely. Um, it's just good to see some NBA players back in action. So uh, there's a lot going on in these next couple months. Hey, how about be, yeah? Before Sorry, we start, real quick, I wanted to say, how about Jovic? Did you see the Jovic highlights? Oh yeah, for, for, oh, yeah. yeah. He's been balling. He's been balling. They need to. He need to give that man some minutes, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, with the Heat and, and Jovic, it, it was kind of a log jam, I guess, last year in terms of like the road playoff rotations. Sure, they could have used him in the finals, but what we're seeing right now is like what me and you thought, Brandon. Like me and you thought that he was going to be this kind of guy, a sharpshooter from the outside. He can get to the mid range. He's got length. Um, so I think that's what you're seeing from a lot of guys in this tournament. Like just like SGA, SGA today had 27 points, I think, again, and led Canada to another win. They're 3 and 0 right now. 
Um, and he just looks like he's gotten so much better. Uh, he's gotten so much more quicker. He looks stronger this year. Um, he's put on some definition. Um, and, you know, guys like Austin Reeves, I know we, we make a lot of jokes about it, but Austin Reeves legitimately looks like he got a little bit better with his ball handling, with his decision making on defense, getting his hands in passing lanes, um, you know, causing turnovers. Um, so, look, it, it's 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 really cool to see. This is kind of like a preseason to some guys, I guess. I know they're going to have preseason, but this is like legitimate tournament time, um, except for the French team. The French team choked because they had Rudy Gobert and Evan Fournier and Old Batum and all that, um, which is kind of, it's still shocking to me, but um, yeah, it's really cool to see some of these guys, you know, blossom in their, in their second, third, fourth year right now. Armand? Yeah, um, I'm really excited to see the next rounds and how it progresses. I think I haven't seen all the teams, but I think the top five in no particular order is U.S., Canada, Germany, Australia, and Spain. Um, I, I'm I'm not putting respect on Slovenia. I'm sorry, Luca. <laughs> I actually um, I I feel like I'm I'm not even optimistic about the Dallas Mavericks next season, but. Um, yeah, Serbia is also in there. Slovenia. Who else am I forgetting? Um, there might be one. Croatia is Croatia still in it? Um, I think Croatia. I well, Zubats has been dominating. That's how I know that Croatia is still in it because Zubats <laughs> has been dominating the World Cup. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Armand, you're right. Like, there's a lot of teams that you can pick from and say, like, who's the biggest threat to the U.S.? Like, I don't. For me, maybe probably Canada right now, right, Armand? I think it's Australia. And- Ooh, okay. I know that might be a little bit controversial. Canada, as much as I think that they are a threat, they are also kind of similar to us, kind of newly put together. And I, I don't know how their chemistry is going to be. Australia, to me, they, they've they always kind of had, you know, a solid group that plays great team basketball. They're tough. They're physical. They have Patty Mills, who's great in international play. Josh Giddy, Matisse Thibel. Um, I, I feel like they have the best chance. And, and Brandon, you've mentioned this before. I agree with it. That isolation basketball that Team USA sometimes gets in lulls and plays, that's going to be their downfall. If they do lose, it's going to be because of that kind of stuff. Um, not to say that, you know, they shouldn't isolate at all, but the, the international game shows you, you know, the, the, the cuts, the screens, the physicality of it, it's it's a different brand of basketball. Team USA, as as much as you know, they've won in these exhibition games and in these first couple games in the World Cup, they've shown some signs of weakness here lately, I think. Not necessarily in the last game, but definitely in that Germany game when they fell behind by 16, uh, they rallied to win. The, the thing about Team USA is they're always capable of a 20-0 run at any point, at any given moment. That's what makes them so difficult to beat. Yeah, and yeah, before no, Jihei goes, or go ahead, Jihei. I'll, I'll add. Well, no, I was just go gonna, ahead. I was just gonna add to what Armand said. Basically, like I miss the you know the cuts, the the backdoor screens, the you know the that kind of play instead of like relying on your outside game. I I just miss it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I think uh, Jihei, you can attest to this too. I mean, you played as well. Uh, Brandon Ingram is just a completely ISO dominant player. And I think that's where he's struggling in FIBA, where he can dominate in the NBA because he gets the ball. He has his moves every once in a while, find an extra guy open, but you know, they can't be playing ISO dominant ball all the time against 
teams that, you know, run different plays and move the ball a lot, you know. So that's why Ingram's struggling. A lot of people are like, Ingram sucks. Well, I mean, Ingram looked like the second coming of Kevin Durant over the last two months of the season because the NBA is a different style of play and it suits him. This doesn't suit him. And I doubt we'll see him on Team USA uh, at the Olympics because of that in a few years. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. I mean, it's just there's different kinds of play that you have to adjust to when you play against when you play internationally, right? Like, I, I for me growing up, like I grew up with the international style of playing where it was like run and gun. Um, you know, it was a lot of fast court breaks. That's how I was taught because um, my mom played internationally, so she was the one that taught me. So she was always just run and gun up the up and down that court. Um, and at the same time, if you did have to have set up plays a lot of movement, a lot of motion offense, a lot of you know, backdoor cuts, a lot of just screens, goes, and you were rarely relying on the three. Um, almost everything was a layup. So I, I think that obviously that's still consistent in international play, um, and the U.S. has taken it to a different level of like shooting on the outside and relying on that a little bit too much. I wanted to switch over and ask Grant about week one coming up in a couple of weeks, which I cannot wait for football to get here. I know that we have college football and it's awesome. Not dogging it. I think it's great and it's wonderful just to see football on the screen, on our television screens right now. But I wanted to go to your rebuilding year of your Rams. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's get real. It is, it's just, it is what it is. It's a rebuilding year. Um, I wanted to ask you about what, um, Matthew Stafford's going through right now because, and this is why I say it's a rebuilding year because he basically, you know, he wants to be a part of that locker room. I think a lot of guys that when they retire, that's the first thing that they say that they miss um, once, once they leave the game is, you know, I just miss that locker room and that camaraderie with, you know, my boys being there and just, you know, just talking about football and being just around that environment. Um, He wants to be considered one of the guys. I mean, how humbling is that that you have a guy that still has already won a ring and still wants to be a part of the team in that capacity where he's like, please do not call me, sir. I'm one of you guys. I don't want to be called like, I'm not your father. Like, you know, I want to be um, part of of the boys. Um, What do you think about the statement that Matthew Stafford made? made and how do you uh, think that you guys are going to even do this year because it is a re- like I said a rebuilding year yeah you know I'm I'm losing more and more optimism as the preseason went on um, especially the closer we get to the season just because I didn't really see anything remotely good in that last preseason game I saw a few good things in the first one against the Chargers maybe a few in the second against the Raiders but it seems like it just went on a decline like everything like there was no improvements in that last game Stetson Bennett had a good first game two bad games right after that he looked really bad in the in the second and third preseason games um and he's going to be their backup quarterback which is why a lot of people right now and a lot of rams people are talking about let's just go sign a, a quarterback mate whether whether that be carson wentz whether you put place a waiver claim on will greer who was just released from the cowboys um you need kind of that especially with with the way the rams are built i mean their offensive line is going to be better but it's not going to be good um it's just going to be better than it was last year and last year it was pretty bad that's why stafford was hurt that's why cooper cup got hurt because you just didn't have any depth now they have depth but is the depth going to be good who knows they have a bunch of young guys in the secondary a bunch of young guys on defense um their edge is still not good at all 
there are so many question marks to where you have to kind of play perfect in order to be a nine, 10 win team. Like some people are saying, there's some people that are saying, look, if this offense, you know, if they stay healthy, um, the offense can be top 10 and they can get nine, 10 wins. I don't really see that. I think they'll be like more of a seven, eight win team. That's just the realist in me. Um, but on the other end, you could say, look, this could be a four or five win team. I know Brandon probably thinks that they should tank for Caleb Williams, but that's just not how Les Snead works. Well, Les Snead wants yeah. to win. And, but I do think that like, it could just turn over. It could just fall off a cliff and they could just be really yeah. bad again. Yeah. Like I think mid season, they could shut down Cooper cup, like mm-hmm. in Stafford, if they're really bad. Cause next year's the only year they have a pick bro. Like over the next yeah. few years, that's a that bunch of money like, too. Exactly. So they can be really good in two years, like not this year. And I'm just looking at their schedule right here. I mean, can you pick out nine wins? I think 0-1 lost to the Seahawks. It's in Seattle. Seattle's a better team. 0-2, the 49ers are going to beat them. We'll be there, but hopefully they beat them. Jesus Christ. I mean, that would be a huge L because that would mean the Niners are 0-2 because you know they'll lose week one. They always start off bad. Um, Steelers are going to beat them in week one. I'll say it right now. And don't call me a genius when it happens. Uh, Rams, Bengals, <laughs> 0-3. 0-3, okay? They're going to start 0-3. And then they go to the Colts. I'll give them a win. 1-3. Eagles, 1-4. Cardinals, two free wins. So that's 2-5. and five, And eventually they'll get a third win against them. Steelers, 2-6. Cowboys, 2-7. Packers, 3-7. I'll give you a win there. Seahawks, I think you'll beat at home. 4-7. and seven. Cardinals, five and seven. So you go on a low run there. Browns, that's a toss up, but I'll give it to you. That's best case scenario. Six and seven. Okay. Ravens, six and eight. You're not beating Lamar if he's healthy. Commanders, I'll give it to you, though. That's a toss up. Seven and eight. Uh, okay. Saints, seven and nine. I don't think you beat the Saints. Maybe, maybe. I mean, that D is fire, t- though, man. Saints are good. The Saints D is fire. Mm-hmm. Saints are going to be amazing. the third. They're, they're, they're probably the third. I mean, the NFC is so weak. It's Niners, Eagles, and then there's a huge discrepancy. And then it's probably the Saints are the third team or the Lions. But look, look, then Giants. Do I think they beat the Giants? No, I actually no. think people are disrespecting the Giants. I think the Me Giants too. are better than people think. That's seven and, seven and, and ten, ten, right? Or seven and yeah. nine? Seven, seven and, and ten. ten. Yeah. Seven and ten. Well, yeah. and then, no, no, wait, wait, wait. I have only counted six wins. My bad. Six and 11 because they have the Niners at, at, okay. at uh, oh, yeah, San Francisco. Right. So, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. Count six, I count six definitive wins if all goes well on their schedule. Now, I could be wrong. They could shock the world. I don't know. But, like, I just don't. That secondary is so bad. I just can't see them competing against NFL teams. I mean, they lost 41 to nothing. I know it's preseason. You better hope those second and third stringers never see the field. That's what I say about the Niners, too. The Niners have no depth defensively. Like, the the way they were getting drilled in preseason by the Raiders shows that they have no second or third stringers and need Nick Bosa back. Same thing for the Rams. I'm really concerned about their defense. Not their offense, per se. I think their offense will be fine if Cup and Stafford stay healthy. I like Nakua. I think their line got better. I think they'll have a better year offensively. Defense is what concerns me. Right, Grant? Yeah, it, that's what it's going to be all about. I mean, their offense, even you can say that they're going to be good, but if 
one guy gets hurt, one core guy gets hurt, then it's not going to be good. And you have to be good. You can't just be fine. Like you said, you said, oh, well, the offense will be fine. That's not going to cut it. You've got to be good to great on the offense because that defense is not going to be good. Um, sure, you have guys like Trey Tomlinson that you stole, but he's not going to be excellent year one. He's going to be decent, maybe good, but that's one guy. I think, you know, Ernest Jones is a good linebacker. Um, you still have Aaron Donald, but that's not three guys on the defense is not going to cut it. Three solidified guys. Um, especially in the conference and the, and the division that they're in. Um, they're going to be playing against the Seahawks and the Niners twice, which is not good. Um, the Seahawks and Niners are both going to be very good football teams. And then you're in the NFC and you're going to have to play some good AFC teams as well, like the Bengals. Um, so, look, it, it's such a fine line. It can go one way good or one way really bad. And that's the thing with this team. I don't know how to gauge it because I don't know which direction they're going to go. I guess I just have to wait and see. We just have to wait and see what... You know, how guys look, how Stafford looks, how Cup looks, how the offensive line looks, and then just kind of go from there. Jihei, thoughts, and then Armand. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm again, I said it's a rebuilding year, so I I think that you might be a little on the generous side looking at yeah. this, uh, I uh, mean, looking at this what, schedule for the Rams. When you have, before I, I want Armand to talk about the Bears, because I'm excited to see how Me Fields too. progresses this year in DJ Moore. We've already seen that connection. But I wanted to say, Caleb Williams is a generational talent. You have a pick that you actually own. And I know the Cardinals are going to try and go 0-17 to get him. Like, they, they've they cut their other quarter. They cut Colt McCoy, because Colt McCoy can ball a little bit. And he's older, and he has experience. And they're like, no, we don't want to win. Josh Dobbs, you're coming in. You're going to be terrible for us. No offense to Josh Dobbs, but he's not going to win football games in the National Football League. He's a decent backup, not a starter. Murray's not coming back. I think you got to take for Caleb Williams. I mean, Stafford has two years two years left. You want that future. Uh, but yeah, uh, Armand. Armand, go ahead. Yeah, Armand, go ahead. I want to hear your thoughts on the Bears because I'm really in on the Bears as well. I am cautiously very optimistic and I think that all the stuff about Justin Fields in the preseason and how he looks as a passer it's being completely taken out of proportion because he first of all he he sat one game so he only played in two and I don't know how many passes he made total but I think it was like under 10 so there's not much to gauge from what we've seen in the preseason we still don't know who he is but if the Bears I think what we underestimate in, in the NBA, the NFL, and all major sports is the team that gets off to a hot start. If the Bears can beat Green Bay week one, then they would go into Tampa Bay, and all of a sudden, you could be sitting at 2-0. and Meanwhile, the Detroit Lions, who are the trendy pick to win the division, they go into Kansas City week one, which I'm assuming is going to be a loss. Then they have a tough game. And that's a Thursday game. Yeah. Then they go into Seattle, or they play home against Seattle week two. Another tough game, and Pete Carroll, I think, is going to outcoach Dan Campbell in that one. The Bears could be sitting at 2-0 and with less talent. The Lions could be sitting at 0-2. And sometimes momentum is, you know, a heck of a drug. And all of a sudden, you know, the Bears get a little bit of confidence and, and, and the ball gets rolling. I think the winner of that Bears-Packers game has the potential to have that kind of um, outlook in the NFC North. I'm not really a believer in Minnesota. I think they'll be fine. I, I think they'll be decent, at, like they usually are. Nine wins. 
But I think the Bears, for some reason, I'm I'm seeing ten and seven, and I'm optimistic about a playoff berth. I know but, that sounds ridiculous, but but last year they started two and zero, oh, and they ended up with three wins, right, or two and one, or something. Uh, last year we started we won week one. I don't remember after oh, that. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> one up. week one against the Niners <laughs> in the monsoon. Yeah, so such look, a look, bad game. <laughs> laughs, such a baby. bad game. But but look, Armand, you, you bring up a good point. One. Yeah, you bring up a good point though. Like momentum is is a good thing, and and especially with this Bears team, they've added so much in the off season to where you can kind of supplement that thought. Where it's like, okay, you win two, you get on a, a hot streak to start. There's a lot of talk about this Bears team. There's a lot of optimism around this team. There's a lot of optimism about Justin Fields and how he can progress this year. Um, so if you you ring off two wins in a row and you're sitting at the top of the division, not only does it get the fans involved, it makes the players believe. And like you said. If you have the players bought in and believing, you could you could go on a run. And I know that we're talking two wins, whatever. It's a 17-game season. But it does make a difference for a team that wants to win this year, for a team that wants to finally be competitive. And like you said about the Vikings, the Vikings, you're right. They had, you know, last year they were great. They had a good seed. They were, you know, whatever they were. But they had a lot of games where they won by a possession. What were they, like 10-0 in one-possession games? That could f- easily flip to be like 5-5, five and five, and then they're not even that good good so you have a lot of question marks to the vikings you have a lot of question marks for the packers this whole division is kind of a question mark maybe besides the lions because the lions i think are going to be really good but even they're a question mark i mean it it is the lions i hate to say it so if you're looking at the bears you're saying okay well there is a pathway for us to get nine wins to get 10 wins maybe if everything goes right so i, I see it Must okay wait so then yeah. so then who wins the division who wins the nfc north the chicago bears <laughs> no, no, no. The Lions are going to win the North. I, I think the Lions the are going to win. I still think the, the Bears I know, are going to win. Too many playmakers. I'm going with the favorite on this one, but I can also, even though I know you you don't have a lot of faith in Minnesota, I think Minnesota can also like turn, turn it out. I wanted to switch over to my, just to mine, because I want to be selfish for like three seconds and uh, switch over to my team, to the New York Giants. Um I'm just really hoping that we beat week one is, is crucial. Like Armand said, and that's all I want. I want that W in week one. And I also want um, the, I think, is it the last week that we play Cowboys again? Play Cowboys again. Uh, November 12th. So. So the only two games I care about, just, I just yeah. don't want the Cowboys to win the division. Everybody else can win the division. I just don't want the Cowboys to win the division. Really? I think sure. the Eagles are becoming a villain. I hate, I, don't hate, I hate the Eagles. I mean, they look so dominant. <laughs> I, I wish they would have won the Super Bowl so the Niners could cruise through that. I mean, they're going to have a redemption tour, and I don't think the Niners can beat them. Uh, we you have one what? minute left. I, I love the yeah, – I, I, again, there's, there is a, there's a thing in the NFC East, ABC. Anybody but – the Cowboys. I The Cowboys will choke every year. They'll choke every year they for will. the rest of eternity. Yeah. And on top it's of it, Dak is not going to get you there. He's not going to get you there, guys. I'm sorry. Hey, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If they start Trey Lance the whole year, which they won't, instead of Dak Prescott, he will throw less interceptions than Dak Prescott would the yeah. whole year. I'll tell you that right now. As much as Lance throws interceptions. Dak is a turnover machine. He's like Cam Akers, but with interceptions. What do we say about Cam Akers? <laughs> Serial fumbler. He should be indicted. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you know, it's Brandon Deutsch, your co-host, Armani Buckets, G.A. Wiley, Gramona. Stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you for listening to the Arash Markazi Show. West side, west side.
This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.